This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening, you're with Lee Tree Lin and Shamila Ganesan. Tonight, we're marking International Women's Day by celebrating women working in traditionally male-dominated fields. First, we'll be speaking to Sonia Randua about her work in journalism. And then later on, Lina Ghosh will be joining us to discuss working in palm oil and sustainability. So, have you seen more equality for women in the workplace? Call 77332 tweet us at BFM Radio, and send us a voice note or WhatsApp our U mobile number 018-789-8899. This is Inside Story, and today's show is brought to you by BMW. Drive home the fully electric BMW iX from only 3,999 ringgit a month. Visit a BMW showroom or make a booking now at shop.bmw.com.my. It is 6.08, so in case you've somehow missed it, today is International Women's Day. Happy International Women's Day to you, Sharmila. And to you too, Lynn. To our producer, Kelly, who is in the studio. And as the uh, parliamentarian earlier said, to all women in all of Malaysia. Mantap. <laughs> thank I you. I was waiting, thank you. <laughs> so, um, IWD... I think, okay, the th- let's start with the theme. The theme this year is Embrace Equity, hashtag Embrace Equity. Um, the UN's theme also is Digital uh, Innovation and Technology for Gender Equality. And IWD, of course, in case um, you are unfamiliar, brings attention to a variety of issues uh, such as gender equality, reproductive rights and violence and abuse against women. So it was marked for the first time, uh, actually way back in 1911, uh, on March 19th. um, And then since then, it has shifted. Uh, But now the reason it's celebrated on the 8th of March is because of a wartime strike by women in Russia who are demanding for bread and peace, right? So um, this has now, of course, become an opportunity every year to not just honour women and their achievements, but to highlight challenges and disparities that women around the world continue to face. Um, And this ranges from the home to uh, the workplace, to society in general, to healthcare. So there's so many aspects to this. Um, And so I I think today we are perhaps looking more specifically at the workplace. But of course, that's that's part of the reason why International Women's Day continues to be such an important platform. Yes, um, because there are so many different ways to to attack the issue. And um, it's a bit of a hydra situation, isn't it? Because it feels like you lop off one head and another one emerges, which is why we've got a relatively narrow focus on industries and, and workplaces. And if we look at industries that have the largest gender disparities, there aren't. There isn't a lot of worldwide information available. So some of what we're going to be talking about comes uh, very much from the West, the United States in particular. But some of this, I think, is perhaps born from from legacy issues. So, for example, UNESCO reports that women makes up, women make up just thirty five percent of STEM graduates and one in three researchers globally. And um, we spoke about ChatGPT earlier in the show, and actually across a number of things. And in emerging technologies like AI, women account for only 22% of global workers. That's less than a quarter. Now, if we look at Malaysia, according to an article from Digital News Asia, women 
only make up 35% of our technology sector. Um, and overall, according to the International Energy Agency, there are significantly fewer women working in the energy sector compared to men. Meanwhile, in a report from the Institute for Women's Policy Research in 2019, it found that the occupation with the largest gender wage gap is um, in finance, or mm. uh, specifically financial managers. And I think the other aspect that often comes up when we talk about women in the workplace is, of course, the uh, the drop-off, right? The fact that a lot of women, or rather the statistic on women in the workplace might be significantly higher in the lower-level positions, but as they progress higher, there tends to be quite a large drop-off. So there is one uh, industry, at least according to that same study, that where women have the edge. So the occupation with the highest gender gap in favour of women is counselling, um, with a 6.3% gender wage gap in favour of women. There could be lots of reasons for that, but there could also be lots of, again, legacy issues mm. around uh, women and, and care work and what women are perceived to be better at. Uh, so today we are going to be focusing particularly on journalism, uh, as well as work in sustainability and human rights. So that's what we're going to be hearing from a little bit later. But just to say, um, I did promise you statistics from the United States in case you're interested. I'm not sure how much of this can be carried through to Malaysia. Although, again, a large chunk of this information is not all that surprising. Mm, looks familiar, in fact. Mm. So, um, Insider specifically cited data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which found that this these are some of the jobs where women are underrepresented. So, software developers, farmers, the construction industry, financial analysts. You mentioned that. Yeah. Uh, aerospace engineers, architecture, and specifically in media, television, video, and motion picture camera operators and editors. So, camera operators is interesting partly because it does require physical strength. And, yes. and um, jobs that have required that kind of physical edge have also traditionally been seen not to be the purview of women, even though we see that changing. Yeah, so this is an interesting list. Um, I would love to uh, get data on things like this locally as well. And of course, there are organisations working towards that. So... Um, we want to know, have you seen more equality for women in your workplace? You can call 7733-2900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. After this, we'll be hearing from Sonia Randawa, uh, Director from the Centre for Independent Journalism. So Insight Story will be, will be back in just a bit. This show is brought to you by the fully electric BMW iX. Boosting female ministers, BFM. 89.9, The Business Station. It is 6.14 and this is Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. Today's show is brought to you by the fully electric BMW iX and we're observing International Women's Day by looking at women working in fields that have traditionally been seen as male-dominated. We are asking you, have you seen more equality for women in your workplace? If you want to weigh in, you can call 7733-2900, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now is Sonia Randawal, Director for Centre for Independent Journalism or CIJ. Sonia, thanks for speaking with us today. Thanks for having me. So let's start by talking about the work that you've done in the field of media. What have been some of your more notable career moments? Oh, I think that one of the most important things that I've worked on has been the Freedom of Information campaign, the Right to Information campaign, which we've worked with um, various actors in the women's movement, in the environment movement, 
to campaign for a right to information law and were instrumental in getting it passed in both um, Penang and Selangor. Now, you've of course been a proponent of media freedom for a long time. I think that that mm-hmm. kind of was a bit of an example. <laughs> What's been yeah. the driving force behind this? Um, well, I started out, I mean, I my very first byline was in the very first issue of The Sun back in the early 90s. Um, and so I started off as a journalist. But um, I was also very interested in... Um, in social justice and, cha- and ensuring that we um, we try to make things better for Malaysia and Malaysians as a whole. Um, so, for example, I was involved in various environmental campaigns and kept coming up across these barriers to getting information across. Um, and so that coupled with events in the late 90s and that made me think that media freedom was really a place where we could make a difference to not just individual campaigns, but to level the playing field so that everybody had a chance to be heard and a chance to be taken seriously and to get their issues and concerns out to a wider audience. And I still think that that's one of the main roles that the media can play is to be a watchdog for the government, but also a place where people can come together to voice out emerging and different concerns that maybe not on the agenda otherwise. Now, historically speaking, journalism around the world has been seen as a male-dominated field. How exactly is this reflected in the Malaysian context? Um, well, I, I think that one of the great anecdotes that I discovered when I was uh, um, doing my research, which illustrates this quite well, was when um, the early newspapers were set up, the Malay language newspapers, Utsan, um, in particular, they didn't have a women's toilet in the building. And so the women had to use a toilet which you could see into as the men and women who were using the building were walking up and down the stairs. So the women were so badly catered for, they didn't have private toilet facilities, never mind anything else. Um, so I think that the right from the start, it was quite literally designed as a male profession. And for you personally, uh, would you be able to share some issues that you've experienced as a female journalist? Um, I think that there's, I, I think that for myself, I'm not sure that there's, I've had been in a very fortunate position where I've often worked in smaller media outlets and the, and then in editorial positions where I wasn't on the front line, so to speak, a lot of the time. And I haven't worked in journalism for many years now. I've been working as an advocate for most of my career rather than as a journalist. But obviously in that position, I get to hear a lot of other people's stories. So for example, issues of sexual harassment from both within the media industry, but even more um, from sources and people in power outside the media industry. Um, People ranging from, you know, um, parliamentarians to pretty much any field that you come across. So I think that the issues that a female journalist faces in terms of their safety, in terms of their, their access to um, equality in terms of career path in particular, these are still issues that are ongoing. So 
it's when we're looking at equality in the newsroom, it's not that long ago that we didn't have any um, news editors in the Malay language newsrooms, for example, that were women. Um, the women still seem to face discrimination in terms of um, their ability to parent and be seen as a serious um, career person at the same time. Um, a lot of women have to... Or, women who were successful often portrayed their success as being possible because they didn't have children, for example, whereas men were able to balance having children and having a career because they didn't have the same pressures on their time. And they were still seen as being serious journalists even after they had children, whereas women were often not seen as being serious journalists once they've had children. So issues like that that are, as I say, a lot of these are still unresolved. And what can you tell us perhaps about some of the more glaring practices that exist within a male-centric newsroom? Um, I think that the, the whole issue of childcare and maternity leave are one of the big ones. Um, but equality of pay and a perception of equality that is um, women are seen as being women and then being journalists. Men are just seen as journalists. So, for example, um, in one of the interviews I did, um, a woman said that when not only did she see other very capable women passed over for promotion, even when they had more experience, even when they were performing better than the male candidates for promotion were doing. But when there were a certain number of women who reached a level, it'd be like, oh, well, we've already got one woman in that position. We can't have any more. Whereas, so there'd be one woman and nine men, and they would see the woman being there, but they wouldn't see the men being there. So I think that that's one of the biggest things is that there is a there is a feeling that um, that women are taking places that belong to men, um, and women, as I say, are visible in a, as women, whereas men are only seen as journalists. And I think that that's true of a lot of professions. I mean, there's been research into this in law and other fields as well. The women are women first and their career second. And so they're not seen as being as serious and as they have to perform multiple roles in that. They have to perform as women and they have to perform as journalists. And sometimes those two roles um, are in opposition to each other. And so then they're not seen as being appropriate material. So there's a lot of different ways in which women are discriminated against without it necessarily being overt that they're being discriminated against, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, let's I feel look... like I'm touching on a lot of different issues at once. I'm sorry if I'm um, jumping around a bit. No, but all largely interrelated as well. Um, mm, definitely. If we look at the progress, though, um, what progress have we made in terms of reconciling uh, some of the gender gaps and biases in the newsroom? Well, as I said, if you look right from the start, we've made huge progress. Um, even as late as the um, in the 1980s, the newsrooms still had very few women, and women were seen as oh well, we've got one woman, that's enough. Um, even at the level entry level of um, of graduate journalists, whereas by the 90s, women were starting to dominate the intake 
of journalism. And that had a profound impact on the newsroom culture and on the, and obviously on the number of women, not just at the bottom, but coming through the ranks. So we have seen some gradual change over the years. But I think that the change in newsroom culture is the one that's most pronounced. I, when I joined um, as a journalist in 1992, it was still quite common to, you know, smoke at your desk and things like that. There was still a heavy drinking culture. Um, and a lot of that's changed. Now, there's also been cultural shifts in Malaysia during that time as well. But part of it has also been a gendered change. Um, and the newsroom has, as a result of these things, as I say, it's not all about the women entering the newsrooms, but it, it has changed the newsrooms into places that are more female-friendly. It's also partly because if you've got computers that are expensive, you, it's a very different type of machine than a typewriter. So you can't have that cigarette smoke around in the office as much. So there were other drivers of the change too, but it, and it also became a quieter place, which was partly, again, the shift from noisy clacking typewriters to computers helps to drive down the level of noise in the newsroom. And with it, that shouting across the newsroom and more aggressive styles of behavior. But certainly the, the increasing number of women in newsrooms changed that culture as well and made them more welcoming and easier for the next generation of women to get in the door and to then start the, they started with a foot higher up the ladder than the generations before them. So I think that that's one of the biggest changes that's happened. As I say, that's not to pretend that there isn't still sexism and discrimination in the newsroom. And it's not to pretend that there isn't still sexism and discrimination in wider society that makes a woman journalist's job harder than a male journalist's job is um, a lot of the time. Not always, and we could also talk about that, um, but, but a lot of the time. Now, you've recently published a book on how women journalists negotiated male power structures. Talk to us about what drew you to write this and what the book aims to capture. So um, the book focuses on um, a particular period in time. So it focuses from 1987 to 1998. And that was the period between Operasi Lawan and Refal Masi. Um, and it focuses on the women's pages of Burita Harian and Utusan, which were the two major Malay language dailies at the time. In fact, the only Malay language dailies at the time. Um, and what I was looking at was the differences in the way that women were portrayed in the women's pages and in the leader page, the editorials, the opinion writing, things like that. And also at the experiences of women journalists during that time. So women worked in those papers during those years. Um, and I was interested in it because I felt that this was a period where a lot changed, particularly among the readers of those papers, um, in the reaction to a uh, call for electoral and political reform in 1987-98 compared to what happened in 1998. And I wanted to try and understand better the shifts that were happening um, within the way that um, within the broader electorate. But I thought that looking at um, the way in which the Malay women in particular were being addressed by the newspapers, which were very much 
seen as and saw themselves as um, being a, a way in which the government communicated with people, um, I thought that that might uh, help us to understand a bit more about what was going on um, within the newspapers and that interaction with society as well. Sonia, we have about a minute left. We are, of course, <laughs> celebrating International Women's Day. What message would you like to leave us with? Um, that change is slow and hard, but it does happen. And that every step along the way um, isn't, as long as it's a step in the right direction, helps the women who come after us. Um, everything builds upon um, upon earlier achievements. Sonia, thanks so much for speaking with us today. Thanks a lot. That was Sonia Randowa, director for CIJ, the Centre for Independent Journalism. Her book is called Writing Women, uh, the Women's Pages of the Malay Language Press, 1987 to 1998. You can find that book on Kawah Buku as well as a number of other places online. We've been asking you, have you seen more equality for women in the workplace? Let us know. You can call 7733-2900, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Insight Story will continue in just a bit and this show is brought to you by the fully electric BMW iX. Backing feminist movements. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 6.38 and this is Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. Today's show is brought to you by the fully electric BMW iX and it is a show in which we are observing International Women's Day by looking at women working in fields that have traditionally been seen as male-dominated, which for a long time um, were all fields. Uh, yes. You know, it's, it's a relatively recent thing that women have been in workplaces and then subsequently in workplaces, not just as, for example, secretaries. So um, it's actually quite a few fields that we're discussing, but we focus, we're, we're narrowing it down. So earlier we focused on journalism, close to our hearts, and later on we're going to be talking about human rights and sustainability, particularly in the field of palm oil. But we want to, we want to know from your perspective, in your workplace, have you seen more equality for women? Um, what do your offices have in place to try to ensure that uh, when you just take a look around your workplace, what does it look like? You know, what is the ratio, whether it's among your peers or in management? We're very curious. Let us know. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at PFM Radio. Uh, to start things off, we do have a voice note that came in. It's a short one. Uh, this is Danny. It is very misleading to look at statistics and see underrepresentation and automatically imply that there is unfairness or inequality involved. We have to account for differing preferences, choices, and sometimes pure coincidence as well. So I hope you all do take that into account. Danny, thanks for that. Um, so I I agree with about half of, uh, of that, and I'll tell you which half, I guess. So I agree that it's it's not right to automatically imply this unfairness or inequality, uh, which is why earlier when we were running through the numbers, I think we were merely you know, painting a picture and saying that these are in fact the fields in which we see the greatest disparity. And I think in some cases, there are very good reasons for that, some of which you've enumerated. It might be choices, preferences, it might be coincidence. I would say, though, um, a few things. Firstly, that 
I think that underrepresentation is purely a statistical word. And in other words, if you look at a field and women are underrepresented, then that is just sort of a factual statement and, and it doesn't have to come with a value judgment. But the other thing is, um, with differing choices and preferences, I guess the, the question to that is, what determines those choices and preferences and how much of that has to do with bias? How much of that has to do with what um, have traditionally been thought of as male fields or uh, male areas of study? Things are changing, but I, I don't know if saying um, deferring choice and leaving it at that is also enough in this day and age. I think we can start looking at preferences and choices once we've equalized the playing field leading up to those choices. And by and large, I don't think we have. So uh, we are not yet at a place to talk about whether uh, we merely see women underrepresented in some fields because that's not something that they are inclined towards. We haven't gotten there. We haven't even gotten to the point where we're equalizing the pipeline to that position yet. Meanwhile, we also have a WhatsApp from Isa who says, I'd like to dedicate my International Women's Day post to fellow dads, sons, brothers, male bosses and male colleagues. I salute you for always encouraging your wives, daughters, sisters, nieces, female friends and colleagues by giving them unconditional support to achieve their goals and dreams at home, at school or in their careers. I salute the male leaders who believe that men should have equal caregiving responsibilities and that paternal leave or any leave or flexible work arrangement, however long or sudden, to care for families should be granted and respected. I salute the male recruiters who will not consider less qualified any applicant who has had to take a few years off their CVs to bring a child into the world to care for their families or themselves. I salute the male decision makers who are always thinking of how their services, products, external and internal communications, facilities and overall operation of their organisations are genuinely empowering for women. Isa goes on. I salute the male colleagues who are looking beyond just lip service and whitewashing to ensure our female colleagues have a voice and a seat at the table so that we can truly make the company a great place to work and thrive for all. So Isa, um, I completely agree that the push towards gender equality absolutely has to include people of all genders, right? And so highlighting the places and the positions that they hold, um, men hold in particular, to be able to push to, for, for that and towards that is important. I'm just curious whether there are also women that you'd like to dedicate the day to, if you have. Please send those through as well. Yes, uh, I, I think that also the... I'm, I don't think this was intended. Um, I do think that the centering of men um, makes it feel sometimes a little bit like it's still a privilege that should be accorded by the people who have traditionally held the power. And um, maybe that is so, especially in some settings and workplaces. But uh, like you said, Sharmila, I suppose that many of these, um, many of these aspects that you're highlighting, Isa, the fact that Paternal leave, flexible work arrangements, uh, acknowledging that two applicants could be two applicants are equal, even if one is of childbearing age or is in fact pregnant. You know, all these things uh, can also be done, like you said, Charmila, by people of all genders. So I also wanted to bring that back to what Danny said about um, 
underrepresentation in fields and link that to something our guest earlier said, Sonia, Sonia Randua, um, when she talked about how when you have more women in the workplace, then the gaps that exist are easier to identify because you're in fact seeing the people in the space and talking to them and allowing them to speak up about what would help. And I think that is why actually giving them a seat at the table is so important. So let us know, have you seen more equality for women in the workplace? Um, and, and that's a simple question, especially in relation to where you work. If you look around your office, um, are there policies in place? Is there equality that exists? Um, you can call us, double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp, 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Tonight's show is brought to you by the fully electric BMW iX, BFM 89.9. Backing female ministers. BFM. 89.9, The Business Station. It's 6.50 and this is Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. Today's show is brought to you by the fully electric BMW iX and it is a show about International Women's Day in which we're asking you, do you see more equality for women in your workplace? Uh, what does your workplace have to kind of get that going, you can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, and tweet us at BFM Radio. So earlier we heard from Isa, who dedicated um, International Women's Day to the the men who play their part in kind of pushing everybody along towards gender equality, and we kind of asked for more context, I think, and Isa's back. So Isa says, um, yes, of course, I have uh, dedications to women as well. Happy International Women's Day to all strong, brave and selfless ladies out there. Your sacrifices and dedication to your families mean the world to those who love you. For me, it's my wife. There's no way we could come this far without you being who you are and doing what you've done for my daughter and I. And the Tabit Hormat above to all men is just to remind them that they need to do a lot, lot more uh, to help make life uh, easier, happier and more empowering for all women. Thank you, Isa. Uh, I, thank you for the clarification. And I think the reminder is a good one. And it is. it sounds different coming from men to men. I always appreciate it when men take part um, in this conversation, especially among themselves. Uh, we also have a voice note that's come in. This is Girish. Hey, guys. Um, happy International Women's Day. I just wanted to chime in. I definitely see quite a bit of equality in my uh, workspace. I feel that the women who I work with, it's a consultancy that I, uh, I, I'm, I'm working with. There is definitely the sense that women have, their opinions are definitely valued uh, and considered with as much weight as um, a male's opinion would be considered. While there are probably differences in the way that opinions are put forward you know for instance um a guy might be more uh the males in the office might be more um you know direct and sort of uh forthcoming in that sense uh, when 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 you know giving an opinion about uh something to do with the project wells the women there is still, I think, that tendency to just be a bit more, there's a bit more, I think, PR or, or, you know, for lack of a better word, put in when putting things forward, you know, it's not that there is, there is perhaps less of a direct approach, you know, in which things are, are set up, I guess, for lack of a better word, before uh, explaining things. So I think in some ways, 
there is still this sort of understanding that you know you know most of the bosses are male and so there i think there is an approach that's taken in which you know words are sort of chosen in that sense but i do feel that you know our office does empower the female female our female colleagues to speak up and to be opinionated and to assert their opinion as much as possible and there is a sense of mutual respect yeah so i think that's that's a, that's kind of an interesting dynamic you know i i i would think that you see in a lot of offices these days girish uh thank you for sharing that perspective i agree with you i think that this is um this is something that we hear about a lot in terms of how women conduct themselves um in especially larger settings right like meetings um but also in specific things like asking for pay raises uh putting forward proposals you're right th- this is something we hear about a lot and that's why diversity initiatives actually have to take into account not just increasing diversity but accommodating for the differences that that diversity then brings and people need to just learn to adjust to how each other we might communicate differently we might convey things differently oh uh can i mention shine theory at oh, this sure. point uh because this was a term that was coined by Anne Friedman and it's based on the idea that I don't shine if you don't shine and so the idea here is that women help each other shine and and that happens even in for example meetings so if we're in a meeting together and Sharmila brings up an idea um it I think the the way that the theory works is that we back each other up we repeat it we make it heard um and this is partly to do with the the information or the data in the past that has suggested that women don't get heard as often in meeting settings but it works in other places as well talking up your friends mm. talking up the women in your life and um i think that that's relevant actually to girish's point about how it is that people put things across and how to communicate most effectively. So we have a, a couple of women that have written in. Um so Yvonne says, uh not more equality because social norms on the role of men versus women haven't changed. Majority of undergrad students are female, but I feel conflicted of what I tell my undergrad students. When they enter the workforce, unpaid work in caring for others is still a female dominant role. Women leave promising careers even among us millennials due to family commitments. Female partic- participation rates are still below 60% in Malaysia even till today. I think that that's a really good point and very salient numbers. Um speaking of that idea of uh the or not idea that notion of care work. Anonymous says, I don't have clear figures about the female HODs or supervisors in my workplace, but every time we have company makan-makan, it's mostly the female staff who are involved. So I think the quote-unquote kitchen responsibilities are still subconsciously assigned to the female. So what conclusions may one draw from that? So I love this message because it acknowledges that work place isn't just about the written down roles. Yes. Um there are so many grey areas, party planning, washing dishes after after events, who straightens up the meeting room. Um who decides who does that? Who takes minutes? Yes. So it, it, this is a really uh, this is something that I've personally observed time and time again that if if the idea of if the role of minute taker isn't clearly delineated it will often fall to the quietest woman in the room yes mm. absolutely 
Uh, Mira uh, is here to say, Happy Women's Day. I would like to share my experience working with uh, 97% of IT, all men. I think the biggest blocker that we encounter is that, you know, it's limited women who want to be in the field that I'm in right now. But I'm lucky here because we have a special committee that include uh, women's issues that we might be facing. We all feel included. I believe all companies should look forward to have a committee for ladies. It's a good channel to address and share. That's great to hear, Mira. And um, I think that's a really good suggestion. I think if you want to make something happen, um, setting a committee, setting an agenda is one way to signal that you're committed to it. Uh, We heard earlier from Yvonne, right, on undergraduate students. So Mm. Awong is saying, just an observation as someone from and returning to a dental school in Selangor, the female undergrads are progressively outnumbering the males over the past eight years. Maybe this trend is also similar in medical pharmacy and allied health. Um, I think that's actually quite an interesting contrast to Yvonne's point, right? Because if we look further down the line, yes, are those numbers holding up or are women then dropping off? This is also something that we see worldwide, right? It's yes. not unique to us. That um, It's why in the, the US, I think they were calling it a crisis of higher education, that you see more and more women um, in institutions of higher education and fewer men But then you don't see that played out in industry. No, and it's actually quite, um, I think it's a little troubling to conflate those numbers because we're actually talking about two separate issues. On the one hand, why are boys being left out by the education system? On the other hand, why are women not progressing like they should in their careers? So we'd like to hear from you. Do you see more equality for women in your workplace? Um, And what does that look like? Is it policy? Is it just, you know, ratio? Is it management? You can call us, 7733-2900. Send a voice note or WhatsApp, 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. This is Inside Story, and the show is brought to you by the fully electric BMW iX. Begin fun moments. BFM. 89.9 The Business Station. It is 7.08 and this is Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. Tonight's show is brought to you by BMW. Drive home the fully electric BMW iX from only 3,999 ringgit a month. Visit a BMW showroom or make a booking now at shop.bmw.com.my. So today's show is about International Women's Day and we've been talking about Women making it in traditionally male-dominated fields. We want to know, have you, have you seen more equality for women in your workplace? What does that look like? Is it policy? Is it just having more women um, being hired or being in management? Uh, you can call 7733-2900, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. So we do have a voice note that's come in on this. Here is Roberto. First of all, I won't say Happy Women's Day because it's not a day to celebrate the recognition that women have brought to humanity for centuries. I will say congratulations on uh, all those achievements. That's the first thing. Second, I will like to dedicate this day to my daughter, which I'm trying to teach her or shape her in the mentality that she is equal to anyone, not just men, but to anyone that has the same capabilities that she will have. And also to my wife, to my mom, and of course to you ladies who are doing an extraordinary job 
to raise the voice of women of all fields. And uh, finally, I will end up saying that opening the field and the mentality to include women at all levels should start precisely at home. We need to start making those changes and realizing that even at home, we men should not leave jobs or, or duties or chores just to women because it's a stereotypically decide that it's going to be that. We are partners in a relationship. We have equal privileges and we have equal obligations. Congratulations to the women. Roberto, thank you very much for that. Um, I think a few great points there. Um, and I, I love your mention, firstly, of how you're how you and your wife, you know, want to raise a daughter who believes that she's equal to everybody. That's the aim. That That's how I wish we all had that kind of backing when we were growing up. But that point about living at home mm. and, and how the, the imbalance of responsibilities at home happens, I don't think enough is spoken about that and how it ends up taking a toll on women in other aspects of, of their lives and careers. And actually very fundamentally shaping the relationships both men and women form not just uh, not just relationships as in partnerships but the way you function at work the way you might function within a friends group with your siblings um very, very important point. So just closing off on some of the messages uh, that have come in. Anil, in some ways echoing Roberto's point, Happy International Women's Day to my wife. She's my boss. She runs our home. She's been doing a wonderful job. Thank you. Uh, and then we also have this from, uh, let's see, Amir. Amir says, Happy International Women's Day. For this year's IWD, the theme being highlighted in my workplace is embracing equity. While equality aims to ensure that men and women are treated the same, equity recognises that men and women have different starting points and aims to provide support to those who need it to achieve out equal outcomes. I believe in practice, combination of both approaches is needed to make progress towards gender equality. This is especially true in Malaysia, where there might still be pre-existing systemic disadvantages that have affected women. We need to address the barriers that hold women back while also giving everyone equal opportunities. Maybe it's good to address both rather than just talk about equality. So, I mean, if I'm understanding you correctly, I think that this is where the question of intersectionality comes in. I was going to say, it yeah. sounds like he's advocating for an intersectional approach. Which I'm fully in support of. And I think that the the distinction that you're making between equity and equality is interesting. I also think that in some ways, equality has become such a a weirdly a weirdly triggering word for some, right? Where emotionally we've we've moved past the point where people hear equality for what it was supposed to be to begin with. So I, I think that your point about kind of emphasizing equity, but also to talk about how to make the playing field equitable yes. for people from starting from different points, not just women, not just men, I think is a very, very good one. Munif says, I'm a dude, so I can't speak for women. <laughs> but from my observation, I believe it's quite progressive in the field of architecture, despite all its faults. We've had a, f a female as the president of our architects association. We have many respectable iron ladies in the industry. Many women are also acknowledged by the industry as architects, the gold standard of the practice. Many, many successful firms are also owned by female architects. 
Point being, I believe female architects are generally looked at with respect by their male counterparts, including me, of course. I even married one, after all. Happy International Women's Day to my more than capable wife and to all you iron ladies hustling out there. And yes, you ladies too, Sharmila and Lynn. Thank you, Munif. Thank you, Munif. And thank you for that uh, on-the-ground look at what's <laughs> happening in architecture. Uh, Jason says, interesting discussion, but I think we need to reframe the way we interpret it. We can agree to disagree, but 99% of bricklayers are male. Do we want to equalise that? I think if there were women who wanted to be bricklayers, yes. Yeah, so... so this, but we need to make sure that they know they can. This was the thing that was brought up actually right at the beginning uh, by another listener, Danny, who said that why people choose not to go into fields might be any number of things, might be personal choice, might be uh, preference. And and all those things are true. But I think another thing is if 99% of bricklayers are male and have always been male, how many women look at that mm. job and think, I can? Yes. Um, so, And I, I also hesitate to make assumptions about whether or not people want or don't want to do stuff. I also hesitate to say bricklaying may not actually be a great job. We need to make sure that the system supporting that job is better. So let us know, um, have you seen more equality for women in your workplace or equity uh, to loan the term from Ame? Let us know. You can call 7733-2900, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. After this, we're going to be joined by Lina Ghosh, Head of Human Rights and Social Standards at RSPO. Uh, this show is brought to you by the fully electric BMW iX. Bright, formidable media. BFM. 89.9, The Business Station. It is 7.15. You're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. And tonight's show is brought to you by the fully electric BMW iX. It is Inside Story. And we are looking at uh, the the how women are making it in traditionally male-dominated workplaces. And we're continuing our show on that now by looking at women working in the field of human rights and sustainability. For that, we're joined by Lina Ghosh, Head of Human Rights and Social Standards at the Roundtable on Sustainable Palm Oil, or RSPO. Lina, thanks for speaking with us today. Hi, Lynn. Hi, Shamila. Happy International Women's Day to you both. And to you. Um, so you have a long history in the realm of human rights. Uh, what prompted you to bring your knowledge and experience to, to this particular field and setting? Well, you know, during the pandemic, you know, I was stuck behind a desk and I was... Uh, researching and um, I noticed that the palm oil industry was grappling with human rights issues, um, particularly on forced labor. And um, looking further, I was compelled by RSPO's efforts to promote human rights as part of its standards on producing sustainable palm oil. Now, I, I believe that I could bring my experience and skills working on human rights development in difficult contexts such as Myanmar, um, and in ASEAN, um, to the palm oil industry. So I thought, okay, let's give it a go. Did you have specific goals or missions uh, coming in? Um, well, um, when I was working at the ASEAN Secretariat, um, I was involved in this group that was looking at trying to understand the UN guiding principles on business and human rights and how um, ASEAN could emulate those principles. Now, so what I see is my mission for RSPO is to basically put those principles into practice and to stem the demonization of palm oil through the development of environmental human rights and social criteria for our growers and uh, supply chain. And you know what? 
now that I'm actually in RSPO, I am seeking innovative ways to further enhance the promotion and protection of human rights and social standards because we've got seven sectors of the palm oil industry and they don't all always have the same idea as to what would be acceptable human rights standards. And so I'm trying to find a way to address these contextual uh, realities on the ground um, and basically how do I make it relevant to all our producers that human rights is important no matter where they are in the world. Talk to us about the issues around sustainability that exist in the palm oil industry and and including uh, gender inequality. Okay, Um, first thing I need to say is that the RSPO is a standard setting organisation. Now, this being said, under a new leadership, uh, we are looking uh, to move forward towards becoming a sustainability organisation. What this means is that we want to bring in technical knowledge and know-how in leading the conversations on sustainability. And as you know, sustainability is multidimensional. The last decade was spent addressing the environmental aspects of sustainability in the palm oil sector. Now we are we need to focus on the social um, and economic aspects due to the cases of forced labor against some of our Malaysian palm oil growers. Um, and in this regard, what we're trying to do is to work with governments to identify the right balance in each region. Um, We are seven years away from 2030, the year that the SDG targets should be met. And this requires inputs from the seven sectors that I talked about. And RSPO considers itself as part of this momentum to reach the SDGs and then aligning our impact with the SDGs. We want to provide a framework for our members to better understand their role in sustainable development and the difference that they can make. So the palm oil industry is viewed largely as being male-dominated. Why is it important that more women take up the mantle in the sector? Yes, many roles in estates and mills are physically demanding. And traditionally, this has led to a higher proportion of males in such roles. Um, what, what we see is that there is an inherent gender bias that is common not only in palm oil, but in a lot of the agro-commodities. Look, women bring collaboration, innovation, creative thinking to the workplace. We, we are part of the local communities affected by the palm oil plantations operations. And women, they can come in as either formal or informal or even as smallholder producers. Interestingly, um, I want to share with you a study that International Monetary Fund informs that increasing women's labor force participation has produced large gains in economic welfare that exceeds 20% in South Asia, the Middle East, and North Africa. Um, This is also, um, there's another research by the International Labour Organization Bureau for Employer Activities that shows that diverse workforce increased profitability by tapping into a wider talent pool. Now, can you imagine if we bring in women into the palm oil sector, I think that the palm oil sector would really change and to the better. Are there contributions by women in the field that you could highlight? Okay, a great ally to the sustainable palm oil industry is Perpetua George, who heads sustainability at Wilma International. She has run a series of posts on her LinkedIn 
highlighting women who have made an impact in the palm oil industry. I would really encourage you all to check her out, uh, check her out on her LinkedIn, um, where she sets out people such as uh, Dr. Louis Mailing, who is the scientist and world expert on tropical peat. Uh, another is Dr. Aini Kuntum, which is a principal researcher for the Malaysian Palm Oil Board. And can you imagine the first female crude palm oil mill manager in Malaysia, Stella Ambrose. They, these are really great achievements in the palm oil sector. So you referenced um, smallholders earlier. What can you tell us about the number of women smallholders in the country? Are there efforts to increase this number? Um, the way we see it is that palm oil is an important crop for the GDP of emerging, emerging economies. And currently, I believe there's about 7 million smallholder farmers who rely on all palm cultivation for their livelihood and to provide for their family. So our mission, or RSPO's mission, is to increase the number of RSPO certified smallholders regardless of gender. That being said, the RSPO encourages the involvement of women and values their input. Um, and in certain regions, we have found that um, women smallholders are actually reliable, accountable, and do great, or do actually better than the men um, in, in those areas, actually managing the smallholder groups. And in general, how are women affected differently in the industry compared to men? Okay, um, earlier I mentioned gender bias and institutional exclusion. Um, the other thing that I, I believe that we need to work on is to include women's empowerment principles in the industry. Um, for the palm oil sector, right, women may often feel overwhelmed and intimidated by the size of the male manpower in the operations. Furthermore, um, if we want to have women, the participation of women, companies need to provide additional and specific facilities. But you know what? The sad reality is that some companies actually are reluctant to do so, and they prefer to just employ men because they do not, they do not have to spend the extra for the women. We need to change that. And um, it's gonna it's gonna take time, but it has to it has to happen, and there has to be a paradigm shift to this. Are there gender specific policies in place that contribute to promoting sustainability in the industry? Okay, there are gender specific policies in place for the empowerment of women in the workplace, um, as well as towards achieving the um, SDGs. However, um, there isn't one focus on the palm oil industry as yet. Um, for our industry, we have identified that gender equality, women's empowerment are central to the development and um, uh, environmental, to the development, environmental sustainability and achievement of the SDGs. Women for me um, and for RSP pay, play a central role in resilient building and conservation efforts globally. 
So there's still a long way to go to increasing sustainability in palm oil. Uh, For instance, the RSPO has received criticism for moving too slowly or being too lenient with its member countries. Uh, What are going to be your main areas of focus moving forward? Um, That's an interesting question. Now, for us, um, leniency can be seen in two ways, whether it's being lenient or that we believe that we need to take an uh, evolutionary stepwise approach to change. Um, And for example, if we want to transform the gender narrative in the PO sector, this needs to be done in an evolutionary way and to encourage the uh, our industry players that there is a benefit to them um, to having more women in the palm oil sector. Also, I'm working in on improving our strategies and interventions, particularly with regards to human rights, labor rights, and women's empowerment in principles in the palm oil sector. For me, I am determined to strengthen women's participation and empowerment in the palm palm oil sector as part of as part of our five yearly review of our standards, which by the way is currently ongoing. I'm looking to getting more women participation through that um, standards review. What is um, your final message for International Women's Day? <laughs> I guess if I was going to be totally honest, I say we need to see more women leading the industry. Um, owning plantations, taking managerial positions, and also in the actual workforce in the fields, if the women choose to do so. I think it's time to debunk the myth that women are unable to do the work in the plantations. If they want to, they should be allowed to. Um, I also believe that our investment in women's empowerment principles and pursuing gender equality in the palm oil sector will contribute to the lifelong positive outcomes of the communities and children. Um, You know, after all they say, right, our children are our future and women are very important in that whole um, cycle. Lena, thanks so much for speaking with us today. Thank you both. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye. You too. That was Lena Ghosh, Head of Human Rights and Social Standards at the Roundtable on Sustainable Palm Oil, or RSPO, speaking to uh, the challenges that women continue to face in that field. We have been asking you today, have you seen more equity for women in your workplace? And what does that look like? You can keep those thoughts coming. And um, you've been listening tonight to Inside Story, uh, with a show made possible by BMW. Drive home the fully electric BMW iX from only 3000 999 ringgit a month, visit a BMW showroom or make a booking now at shop.bmw.com.my. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.